This is Mayo Clinic Talks, a curated weekly podcast for physicians and healthcare providers. I'm your host, Dr. Ishna Sharma, current bariatric, metabolic, and minimally invasive surgery fellow at Mayo Clinic's Rochester campus. Obesity has become a significant public health crisis in both the U.S. and around the world. Currently, metabolic and bariatric surgery is the most effective and longest-lasting treatment for obesity and may reduce a patient's risk of premature death by 30 to 50 percent. This includes procedures such as sleeve gastrectomy, gastric bypass, and duodenal switch. In 2020 alone, almost 200,000 patients across the U.S. underwent a bariatric surgical procedure. While annual post-procedure visits with bariatric providers are strongly recommended, studies consistently show a high loss-to-follow-up rate amongst bariatric patients. These patients may present immediately post-procedure or years later to a primary care provider with issues including malnutrition or weight regain. This episode will focus on how a primary care provider can help a post-bariatric procedure patient, both in the immediate post-operative setting as well as in the years later. This episode will look at aspects such as how to work up a post-bariatric patient, how to guide their next steps, and how to continue caring for this patient. Today, we're joined by Julia Jurgensen, a Mayo Clinic nurse practitioner who specializes in obesity, who will help guide us in answering these questions and more. Thank you for joining us today, Julia. Thanks, Dr. Sharma. So you have a very extensive background in both medical and surgical management of obesity. Can you talk to us a little bit about all of the various experiences you've had? Absolutely. So I joined the weight management program here at Mayo Clinic in May of 2012, after working two years in our diabetes consulting service in the hospital, where I also saw bariatric surgery patients. While in the weight management program, I stayed in the endocrine or the medical side of our team for the first decade of my work here at Mayo Clinic, doing pre and post bariatric surgery care, and really supporting the medical and nutritional needs of these patients. I also also supported lifestyle medication, men and weight loss medication patients who are trying to lose weight. I also started working with the post-endoscopic weight loss procedural patients midway through my career in endocrine. In February of 2022, I joined the Bariatric Surgery Outpatient Surgical Clinic, where I now support our surgeons in the pre and post early on periods of the bariatric surgery journey for our patients. That's very extensive. And you're one of the few people I know who has seen these patients from every aspect, like you said, from the preoperative, postoperative medical journey. In terms of post-bariatric issues, what are the most common issues you found in your career? Absolutely. So certainly there are a lot of GI issues that patients face, whether it be nausea and vomiting, both early on and then later after surgery and trying to dive into what is causing that nausea and vomiting for patients. Often patients, it turns into just the way that they're eating and drinking, but it can be more extensive. I also see ulcers, especially in our Roux-en-Y gastric bypass population. GERD is not uncommon, especially in the sleeve patients. We see stricturing in the Roux-en-Y in the GJ anastomosis site. And then probably the most frustrating for patients is weight regain after surgery, something that is common. And unfortunately, many patients struggle with it. Many come back and feel like they're a failure 
when they're not failing at all. And working through that with patients is where I spent a lot of my time, especially earlier in my career. In terms of when we think about a post-bariatric patient, I always think about it as two pools where it's the patient who just had a procedure and they're now within a week or two weeks out Mm -hmm. versus the patient who has had a procedure, remote history of it, and now they've come back years later. And so for a PCP who maybe is not familiar with these bariatric procedures, how would you guide them for both pools? Let's start with the immediate post-op patient first. Absolutely. So immediate post-op patients, we are looking for kind of those typical common like nausea and vomiting. Where's it coming from? Do we need to dive into it in terms of actual medical testing, endoscopy, upper GI, or is it more how the patient is eating and drinking? So asking the patient, does it happen as a result of what you eat and drink or how quickly you eat and drink, how closely you put your food and fluids together. These patients should really separate their food and fluid by 30 minutes. And it's a hard rule to to separate your, your food and fluids when that's all you have gotten accustomed to doing. So things like that, making sure that there's not a surgical site infection, looking for things like stricturing. So patients will say things to me in those first two months, like I used to be able to eat and eat meaning soft foods and it would go through. And now it feels like it's stacking up my throat, but I can drink anything. That's a common sign of possible stricturing. Really adapting to that lifestyle is that key in those first few months and making sure there's not a surgical complication, assessing for significant abdominal pain, abdominal wall pain, which is very different from like a GI abdominal pain is very common in that first few months as especially that first three weeks when patients are recovering from surgery. I think often patients think I just have these small surgical sites. I shouldn't have a lot of pain. And now all of a sudden my abdominal wall hurts. I see that very often at three to four weeks out and it doesn't last a long time, but it can be very uncomfortable. So working through using heat, ice, Tylenol, lidocaine patches can do a world of difference. We often don't need anything stronger than those things. Helping patients with hydration. So dehydration is very common in that early post-op period. They have to take very small sips. So I tell patients, this is like your full-time job to get 64 ounces of liquids in is going to take a long time. So helping patients, and sometimes we do need to use IV fluids to help coax them along. Sometimes just getting a liter or two of fluids in the IV infusion therapy center can make them feel better. They want to drink more versus getting nausea. And I don't want to drink. I'm now dehydrated and having a vicious cycle. That's, those are all really helpful things to think about, especially for a PCP. There's such a variety of bariatric procedures that are being performed at this point. Does a PCP need to kind of get uh, hung up on the details of each procedure, or is this a standard way that, that every patient can be kind of thought of from a bariatric perspective? That's a good question. There's certainly differences between the procedures, but I would tell you that many of the post-operative complications are similar. When we're talking more in the ulcer stricture route, we're going to be looking more at those Roux-en-Y gastric bypass patients versus your sleeve or duodenal switch patients are going to be more struggling with things like GERD. So 
really separating that. But honestly, the nausea, the vomiting, the dehydration, the surgical site, kind of abdominal wall pain, surgical site infection, those are all pretty common either way. I would say another thing that patients often get hung up on are that risk for gallstones. And many patients ask, you know, why don't you just remove my gallbladder? So there's that question of, do we need to image that if they have pain over here? And most patients do not end up needing their gallbladder removed or needing treatment for that, but it's a common question that we get. All right. And then let's switch gears to the remote history patient, the patient mm-hmm. that comes into clinic. They, they may not even know the details of their procedure, but they just know that they had a bariatric procedure and now they've come in and, and let's say they're worried about their weight regain, which is probably, like you said, one of the most common things we see. Absolutely. So patients who either had surgery a long time ago, don't even know that kind of what they had done, how do we approach them with the weight regain? So I always approach that question with, can we talk about your weight today? When a patient's had weight regain, they may not want to talk about it. They want to talk about all the other things, but that's not what they want to just spill right out, right out, right out of the gate. So asking permission to talk about their weight and then learning that weight history. Where was their weight when they started, when they had bariatric surgery? What was the lowest weight they got down to after surgery? And then looking at that weight today and kind of comparing, what does that look like? Often I'll, I'll start those conversations with, it's normal to have a small weight regain after surgery of maybe 5%. But once we get beyond that, then that's something that we have to really look into and say, where's this coming from? We live in a food-saturated society where our patients are constantly being bombarded with advertisements for food and fast food, and we can get food whenever we want, and we have a grocery store full of food. So we often, as humans, go back to what we know. So going back to those old habits is common. So see if the patient's willing to talk about their, their current dietary habits, their activity habits. Using motivational interviewing is really helpful when we're doing this because then we can repeat back to that patient what they told us so that we can look at how can I help you with weight regain to start. It's often setting one or two goals, whether it be one dietary goal, one exercise goal, perhaps helping them see a dietitian to get the process started. So that in the future, could consider things like weight loss medications. Do we need to see the bariatric surgery team to consider other steps, whether it be endoscopic or surgical revisions? But we need to talk through where we're at with that lifestyle piece first. Patients want us to talk about their weight, but too often as healthcare providers, we are nervous to talk about their weight. So really asking permission as your key first step when you notice a possible weight regain. And so when a PCP is seeing um, this patient in this situation, how much can they do on their end? And at what point would you say, okay, now we need to refer to these kind of other supports like a dietitian or, or a bariatric specialty group? Absolutely. So I would say, write those one or two goals, see them back in You can determine time, whether it be one month or three months. I would say I typically did three months in my weight management program and then see where they're at, see how those goals went. And if that weight has either stabilized or decreased 
even one or two kilograms, recognizing that maintenance or loss, and then consider, do we continue to do these lifestyle? Am I comfortable adding on a weight loss medication? Is there one that's appropriate for this patient? Or do I feel like this is perhaps something surgically going on, or perhaps they could use a higher level of care in terms of the bariatric surgery program, diving in to say, you know, what other options are there from the endoscopic perspective or the bariatric surgery perspective to give this patient the tools they need. But I would say the first step is truly finding out where they're at, setting goals and reassessing in one to three months one to three months. Okay. In terms of ancillary support, have you found things like support groups or there's a lot of online kind of modalities for bariatric patients to connect amongst themselves? Have you found any things like that helpful? That's a slippery slope for sure. (laughs) So often my patients will come in and say, oh, in this Facebook group or in this chat group. And so it's always, (laughs) it's always a question of kind of what are they hearing where is that knowledge base coming from? I always direct my patients to medical sources. So things like the Mayo Clinic Connect blog, weight management blog is a great one because it's written by our group. It has knowledgeable people behind it, posting articles on everything from lifestyle to bariatric surgery. And so I know where that information is coming from. And I encourage patients to reach out to medical sources like that when versus going onto these online chats, because sometimes that gets into a slippery slope of not necessarily being from a medical advice. That's a great point. And we'll include a link to that blog that you mentioned in our podcast episode description. So that's great to hear for how to counsel patients in the outpatient setting. I guess as a takeaway or learning points from today's conversation, can you give us a summary of how you would suggest a PCP work up the immediate post-op patient versus kind of the remote history patient? So the immediate things that I want to know about are abdominal pain, nausea, vomiting, especially, are they eating and drinking? Are they getting fluids of 64 ounces or more? Are they getting protein of 60 to 80 grams each day? Where are their hangout points? Are they taking their vitamins? Vitamins are super important for that early and late period. Are they tracking their calories and their fluids? Are they kind of guessing? What are their symptoms? Are they whether it be nausea, vomiting, GERD, are they having constipation or diarrhea, sorting through those things. If you feel like imaging is needed, whether it be a CT scan, an endoscopy, an upper GI, absolutely go ahead and do that. But then I would link back into that bariatric surgery team. The patient should be seen in that first month after surgery by the bariatric team. And then ideally three months, six months, 12 months and annually thereafter is recommended for these patients to be seen by their bariatric surgery team. And then for remote. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. For the later patients, the patients that are remote history, similar, we want to know what are their fluid intake? What types of fluids are they consuming? Ideally, it's it's hydrating fluid. It's non-caloric fluid. What's their protein intake? Typically 60 to 80 grams of protein is needed for most of our patients. Some need more like 80 to hundred. So recognizing what is my, their protein intake? Are they taking their vitamins? Patients need 
essentially about 200% of their multivitamin need. Um, so a typical patient's 100%, these patients need about 200%. They need around 1200 to 1500 milligrams of calcium each day. Calcium citrate is the ideal for absorption. Vitamin D3, somewhere between 2000 and 5000 international units daily. And then they also need a vitamin B12 in either a sublingual, intranasal, or injectable form. Depending on the form, we'll determine how, how often they need that. I would recommend checking basic labs to ensure things like they're not anemic, their vitamin D and calcium levels are appropriate. Looking at their ferritin to ensure that iron storage is good. Vitamin B12, if they are taking it, you can check it once, but we don't need to routinely check that. Asking about GI symptoms, are they experiencing things like dumping syndrome? What is dumping syndrome? Typically, it's like high fat, high sugar foods are consumed or eaten, or we're eating and drinking too quickly together, and then patients are having feelings of shaky, sweaty, dizzy, I don't feel good, followed by diarrhea. It's a, com a classic picture of dumping. There's certainly other forms of dumping, but that would be my most common patient. Patients tend to drift from what they know they're supposed to do with fluids, proteins, separating food and drink by 30 minutes. So asking those questions can really help bring them back to, oh yeah, I remember my bariatric surgery team reminding me of that. And of course, checking their weight trend, looking to see how, how did they do with weight loss and then where are we at in terms of maintenance or gain, having that conversation. Thank you so much. Julia is one of the few people I know who's worked on every aspect of obesity from the medical, the surgical, pre and post-op period. So I always learn so much when I talk to you. Uh, we've been talking about obesity and the post-bariatric patient with Julia Jurgensen, one of our nurse practitioners at the Mayo. Thank you for your time, Julia. Absolutely. Thank you. If you have enjoyed Mayo Clinic Talks podcast, please follow us as we continue our special series on obesity. If you would like to earn CME credit for this obesity-related series or other Mayo Clinic Talks podcasts, please visit ce.mayo.edu. Obesity is a chronic disease and obesity management continues to be an ever-evolving field. Obesity management requires, above all, compassion, empathy, and a multidisciplinary approach. This has been the last episode in our special edition of Mayo Clinic Talks focusing on obesity. Thank you for listening. I've been your host, Ishna Sharma.